0: Now, some of you may have a background that you've never been used to an emotional person. Well, God made me like I am, so forgive me if I offend you. But if you can go to a ball game and you can get excited about somebody pitching a pigskin down the deal and running their head uh, into the ground or breaking their neck, almost hitting somebody, trying to get that pigskin to a goalpost, and they jump up and down and get emotional about that and that's the end of that run why can't we get emotional about the Lord that gave his son for you and I to die for us before we ever met knew him see the enemy tries to discourage you we live in a time when people are educated and we think uh, sometime well there's no need for all of that emotionalism but if God put it in you God must have had a reason for that uh i wanted to continue on with the fruit of the spirit that we've been talking about and and this is going to be the last one of those fruits uh, uh that the bible mentioned in this, in this group and uh but uh, go back to galatians 5 and 22 for some of you that might have not been here before we've been talking about love peace and joy long-suffering forbearance in one writing or kindness and goodness faithfulness gentleness and self-control uh also so Today I want to talk about self-control. Uh, how many has ever seen somebody out of control? I've seen people out of control. My brother, my oldest brother that's going on to be with the Lord, thank goodness he got to know the Lord before, before God uh, uh, said his time was up. and he really, he really got a genuine experience with the Lord. Uh, He claimed to be Baptist, and that's all right. There's some good Baptists, like there's some good Pentecostal. There's some bad bad Baptists, like there's some bad Pentecostal. I want you to hear that. It's not the name over the door where you go that's going to get you to heaven. It's what you carry in your heart. There's going to be people, believe it or not, and I'm not advocating that you do this. That don't even go to church that's going to get to heaven. Maybe they couldn't get to church, but. uh, my brother, when he would, get, he would get mad about something or other, he would go, be like a mule with blinders on. All he could see was right what was in front of him. Uh, and that's not good. We need to realize that we need self-control. So I want to talk to you this morning about self-control. If the Lord don't help me, it'll just be a talk, but you'll go home with some answers and maybe some help also. Uh, self-control. One writing of the Bible, or one version of it, puts it temperate for self-control. But when the fruit of self-control is not evident in your life, in my life, we're open to all kinds of attacks from the enemy. He'll come in if you haven't been working on it. Now, some folks say, well, I got self-control without, without having the Lord in my life. Well, you may have to a point, but it's self-control I'm talking about. It's part of the fruit of the Spirit, and if you don't have that in your life, there's going to be times you're going to slip off the grid. You're going to mess up. And guess what? If God called us to be lights, if he called us to be the salt of the earth, then people need to see us in self-control because if we don't, we're going to act just like the rest of the world around us. Now, I'm not saying that just because you got saved that you're never going to have a problem. You're never going to be confronted with something that's going to want to turn you upside down because you will be. But the difference is you're not going to face that on your own. You've got the Holy Ghost to help you to go through it. And so if you realize who you are, you're not the person you used to be in Christ Jesus. Because Paul said, when I was born again, I become a new creature in Christ Jesus. So you're not the old person before you got saved. And if you lean on on what you have in God, in his spirit, you can come out victorious in the situation where the devil tried to make you look bad. (laughs) Praise the Lord. That's all right. Just give him praise when you feel like it. We are vulnerable to all kinds of attacks if we don't allow self-control to take root in our life. We need to be people that people can look at that don't go to church and say, hey, something changed in that guy. See, when when I see Randall here, I don't even see the guy that I know he was. I know a little bit about what he was, but he's not even the same guy. When he looks in the mirror, he'll see it. And some of you could say the same thing, but it takes God to help you to do that. Now, when the Spirit controls us, here's what will happen. We'll demonstrate some resistance to the things that comes at us. When things upset me before I got saved, it was easy for me to curse like a sailor. As my daughter would say, it felt good. Not Liz, but the other one. <laughs> Lisa. Lisa, bless her heart, she, she loves the Lord. She just got some things she's got to uh, uh, get a hold of. Much like some folks that smoke cigarettes, they know they need to get a hold of it, but they don't do it. Like some people that do other things they shouldn't do. Cigarettes are not even worth, I don't think, for some folks than to have a, well, I'd rather be around somebody that smoke than to have, be around somebody that has a fit of carnality every day. Those are weights in your life that you can put off. That the Bible do not bring them out as sin, going to go to hell for it. But if you dig down and find out what we need, where we're going with this thing, you're going to find out you need self-control in your life. When the Spirit controls us, we'll demonstrate re- resistance in our lives, not just about one thing or one person, but when everything comes out us, it upsets us because we want to be what God wants us to be. If we properly exercise the fruit of self control, it'll be benefit to all those around us because we won't make enemies out of people around us. We won't uh, uh, tear down the witness that God's given us around people. Guess what? If you're sitting here this morning and you claim to be saved, God wants you to be a witness. God wants you to be an example. And what kind of example can I be for somebody if I'm down at the tavern getting me a, a six pack of suds when I've been telling people, God delivered me from that? What kind of i would be if I'm around somebody that's been having a problem with their temper, and all of a sudden, in front of them, I let loose a, 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 a temper that, that ought to be caged up and should have been caged up, and, and it's up to me to keep it caged up. Guess what? Some folks think that everything's going to happen, your life's going to change, God's going to do it. No, he saves your spirit, but he leaves you something to do. He leaves your body for you to work on, and your actions, and your attitudes. But with his help, you can overcome it. But you've got to want to overcome it. And so, therefore, you've got to want to have self-control in your life or you're never going to do it. Matter of fact, all the fruits of the Spirit, uh, uh, it, it shows whether we are uh, maturing or if we've matured or if we're not yet mature at all. See, because only as a tree grows and matures will it put on fruit. It was interesting to me when I got into the study to realize that the fruits uh, are, are in three different categories. They're, they're th- three different groups, and. And when I begin to see that and I begin to talk to God about it, the Lord would just let me see that, that as a tree matures, it puts on so much and it puts on more. So uh, when I read this and got into this last party and got to thinking about self-control, I began to realize probably the last fruit that we're going to develop in God, God knew what's going on. He put it in order like we, it needs to be put in order, but the last fruit we're going to put on to show that we are mature is when we begin to uh, control ourselves. Well, Brother B, and I thought God was going to do that. No, he's going to let you come to a place where you control yourself. See, it's up to you whether you want to hit a guy back if he hits you, or whether you want to uh, uh, punch his tires with something because he punched yours. See, we have, we have to learn that, that God expects us to change the way we used to live, if we properly exercise the fruit of self-control, it will be a benefit to all those around. The working of the flesh cannot be overcome, though, without self-control. And we wonder why sometimes people, just they don't have this witness that we'd like to have them because they don't have no self-control. I don't know about you, but I, I blew it several times in my life. I've blown it more than I want to. To admit, But with God's help, I'm going to keep on fighting the things that that tries to mess me up in that area. And and with God's help, I'm going to come out victorious over it because he's not going to withhold any good thing from us. And it's good that we can be self-controlled, Brother Terry, and not let the enemy drag us into a place where we lose our witness to people. If we was on an island all by ourselves and nobody was around, there may not be much need for self-control. But if you don't have anybody to be a witness to. But there's people watching your life and my life that we don't even know watches. Amen. I met somebody downtown a while back and said, hello, pastor, how you doing? And I looked, oh, my goodness, who is that? Amen. See, you meet a lot of people you don't know, but they know you because sometimes it's just because they've heard about you. Sometimes they've been, you've been pointed out. Sometimes that somebody told me, hey, they don't do that anymore. They go to church. Now if you took to me 40 years ago, uh, that somebody would say, hey Ben, how you doing? It wouldn't have been pastor. That said, look at that sock going down the street over there. That's what my wife says I was, but I don't say I was a sock. <laughs> Although I'm not gonna argue with her. She's probably right. See, if you if you have a problem with something, you don't ever want to admit it but the other elements of the fruit of the Spirit will not be evident consistently in our lives without self-control. I remember my daughter, Lisa, one time, she was, she was younger, and she was going to church, and, and she, uh, bless her heart, she, she loved the Lord, but somebody come to her house one time, and, and uh, uh, something went on. I don't know what it was all about, but uh, the thing is the neighbors told me about said, One minute the lady was there, and the next minute they were flying off the porch and on the ground and pounding away at one another. Uh, That certainly wasn't self-control, was it? Well, some of us have been in just about as bad a shape in one way or another, something like that. So we need to be consistent with self-control. Now, I want to tell you something, too. The The hardest victory you'll ever win is over self. It's easy for me to tell Jeff, you needs need self control, or tell my sister she needs self control, or brother Random, tell you you need self control. But when I begin to look in the mirror and begin to apply it to my life, it's a whole different ball game. See, it's easy to point out somebody else's faults, but we don't want to see any faults we got. Matter of fact, we want to think that we don't have any faults, that we have a mirror finish. But I got news for you, somebody's watching you every day and so the hardest victory you're ever going to win is to win it over self. the word self-control in, in is, is in in the niv let me back up here and say it again the word self-control in the niv is temperance in the king james version for you to have the king james version but i'm using the others so it comes from the word strength and it means one who holds himself in And for me, that would be a lot of times that when I feel like saying something, and it's not a God that wants to say it, it's when Ben wants to say it, it means that's the time that I bite my lip and I smile and I walk off and I walk around. And and, and if nobody's looking, I feel like sometimes kicking a wall, but I dare not do it, because if you let one part of your body loose uh, uh, in that situation, the rest of it will explode too. So I just learned that when I get like that, to walk off and be quiet and pray a lot. Because nobody's exempt from being attacked from the enemy to try to tear down your wall. And we need to put a wall up. And don't allow this flesh to get outside of the perimeter where, that it's honorable for us to be walking and where we give God glory. And if you let your self-control go and you let a fit of carnality or something happen in your life, uh, it's, it's not a good thing to do. See... It means one who holds himself in. One don't let go. To be self-controlled is to not live, to be self-controlled is to not live in bondage to the flesh. Just about everybody that you know at one time or another lived in bondage to their flesh. And by that I mean they did what their flesh wanted to do because it felt good. I like strawberry ice cream because it tastes good. Some people like horror movies because it's good. See, it's what our flesh wants to do, uh, uh, and so we need to realize that we can not be like that because we need to look up the Lord and and trust God. I just talked to someone this morning that that Lord wakes them up, bless their heart, and uh, to read. But sometimes they're tempted to to go sit down and watch the TV. I've been tempted with that same thing. That's a temptation for the enemy. I want you to know something. Anytime God calls you to move up a level or step up a step higher, closer to him to be a better witness or be a stronger Christian, the devil's going to throw you a curve if he can. And he's going to try his best to find the thing that, that pulls you back the easiest. We're told to be fishermen in the Word. The devil is a good fisherman of of tempting people and trying to cause you not to be what God's called you to be. And so if you're ever going to accomplish what God's called you to be, I believe one of the things that we need to realize as much as anything else is we need to be a a person that that we get a hold of ourselves where self-control is concerned. I've seen people leave the church because all of a sudden they got an outburst of anger about something was said and they thought somebody was speaking directly to them. Not too long ago, somebody got up and burst out of the church in about five minutes after I started preaching. And, and I didn't even know they was going to be there that morning. And I heard later that they, they got upset. They thought I was talking to them. I have a brother that I love that comes to church here now. His wife brought him here before he got saved. And by the way, before that guy got saved, I wouldn't trust him as far as I could have thrown an elephant by getting him by the tail to throw him. He was, he was one dude. I didn't want to be around too much. But when he got saved, he just did a flip-flop like God turned him inside out. And uh, he told me that story later that, that when I went home that day, that wife got me to go to church with you. I told her, you told him what's been going on in my life. You told him everything. I know you did. He couldn't have known it without you told him. And he swore he'd never come back to church, but she got him to come back to church again. Finally, the guy give his heart to the Lord. It wasn't because of me, but, but God just knows how to dig under your foundation. And when God got through dealing with him, he, he's not the same guy anymore. And that's what we're supposed to have. We're supposed to have that title. We're not the same person anymore. We're not about the previous business we had. We've, we've got a better business. We're about, and that's the Lord's business, to be self-controlled, is to not live in bondage to the flesh, not let the flesh lead you around the passions and desires and the appetites of the flesh. My body's a good servant, but it would be a terrible master. All the things my body likes to do, most of them don't line up what God wants me to do. Thank God God gave us a mind and a heart and a body. The reason a lot of people have a problem staying saved and keeping on doing what they need to do is because they've got it in the heart, but they've not got it in their head that they've been changed, that God forgave them. He totally forgave them, and they're a brand-new person in God. Every time a young person gets saved, they'll get in front of the mirror, and most, all of us, at one time or another, the devil spoke to us and said, You're the same person. Look, on the outside, I'm the same person but on the inside, I'm definitely a different person. Praise God. How about you? Self-control is a good translation of the Greek word, but it's a bit deceiving to us. Because we know that we can't control ourselves through our own willpower, our self-will. If we could have, Jesus wouldn't have went on the cross. He wouldn't have had to. We'd already be doing the thing that we should be doing. But we were people that didn't do that, and so we needed some help. And God gave us Jesus even before we knew him. He loves us that much. In 1 Corinthians 9 and 26, Paul talks, I run straight to the goal with purpose. In every step, I fight to win. I'm not just shadow boxing or playing around. That's the living Bible talking. Then verse 27 the King James says, I discipline my body and bring it into subjection. Paul talks about control over his body with running uh, aimlessly. And a lot of us, it seems like uh, as I look around, we get up in the morning and we're running for God aimlessly. Oh, it's a thing to do to go to church on Sunday morning. Man, I sure feel bad if I get away with it. I'd at home this morning. We need to wake up in the morning with a, with a target in mind. Why are we doing things? We need to realize since I'm a new person and, and I'm running for a goal and my goal is to make it to heaven with the Lord and that, that on the, this run that I'm going to do, I don't have time to be persuaded to look here and there, but I need to run the race that's set before me. Paul argues that athletes uh, exercise self control because they have a clearly defined goal. They come up to the racetrack and they line up with everybody else, and they know in their mind and in their heart, and they've been focusing their body, they've been They've been torturing their body with praxis and trying to go do what they need to do to put their body in shape to run that race because in their mind, they want to run to the goal and be the first one there where they can get the prize. Well, when we run for God, everybody that makes it to the goal line is going to get the prize. But if you stop along the way and you don't keep on running, you'll wind up not getting the prize. So Paul argues that, that we need to Run, but not run aimlessly. We need to have a focus on where we, what we're doing. We need to be, have a clearly in our mind that we've got to keep on keeping on for Christ Jesus. Things may look bad today. The devil may be put a storm in front of me today, but I, I know that the sun's shining on the other side, and Jesus is going to help me get there, and I'm going to keep running. They can't afford to be distracted by every passion every desire that comes their way. They have to stay focused on the race and the goal. So do we. We can therefore define this final fruit of the Spirit as the control of self. That's what it's about. I don't have to control Brother Randall. I can't control Brother uh, Gary or Brother Terry. I have to be realize that the only guy that I can control is when the guy that I look in the mirror and see, reflecting back at me. And that is my responsibility and my only responsibility. The wife and I talk about things sometime, and we get to talking, I tell her, hey, wait a minute. I know where you are, but there's things in life you can't do anything about. You can't own somebody else's problems because if you start owning their problems, they become your responsibility. And you can't change people no matter how much you want to, so it's wasted effort. But what the effort you put on that person that you look in the mirror every morning, you can do something about it with God's help. You can be a person God has called you to be. God's no respect a person. What He's done for one, He'll do for another, but He expects us to do what we need to do. And so we, need, we really need to know that this, this fruit that we're talking about is a control of self. I need to control me. I need to watch out for the devil putting something in front of me making me want to have a fit of carnality. I need to watch out for driving down the road and getting thirsty, and and there's no stores around except a tavern or a liquor store, and the parking lot's empty, and I could just whoop in there and go in and get me a Coke. Maybe I'll only get a Coke. But the temptation all around me is to go back and get a half pint of Jack Daniels or Southern Conference. I know a little about those things, but maybe I'm strong enough that I could get a Coke. And so I put it in a sack, and I take off out the door with a Coke. Well, I'm okay. I hadn't done anything wrong, you say. All I did is got a Coke, but Brother Terry's out there, outside the door, and I come outside with a bottle in my hand and a sack. He don't know if it's a Coke or or if it's a bottle of uh, Jack Daniels. I like to think about T-Bird. It's a round bottle, you know. Most of you don't know what T-Bird is. Now, I drank so much that junk when I was young, they called me T-Bird. <laughs> Funny thing about a person that drinks Thunderbird, most of them won't drink it until they got drunk, and then it tastes good as the rest of it. That's the other guy, folks. That's not me. That's the guy that God killed back down the road. But even though if God... Uh, kills him back down the road. He's like Dracula. If you don't watch out, he'll rise up one morning or one late afternoon. The devil knows how to help you do that. You have to put your trust in God. He's able to keep you if you allow him to. self control biblically speaking, means walking by the Spirit under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. That's what self control biblically speaking means. Because you see, if I walk under the Lordship of Jesus Christ, I continue to keep focused on the Lord, then I'm not going to have to worry about that stuff. But the moment that I start looking away like Peter did, that's when the storm is going to catch you, and that's when you're going to sink. And I'm telling you what, folks, preachers aren't exempt from it. Remember the story I told you about the motorhome outside? Uh, God has a way to wake you up when you're walking. Jimmy Swagger. Powerful ministry. He was so busy about having church and having a ministry, he forgot to take and look at himself in the mirror every now and then and step aside and refill himself. Well, preachers do that sometimes. And so every one of us is responsible for the person that we look at when we look in the mirror. But if we'll keep on walking, following Jesus, By his spirit, walking by his spirit. And let him be the lordship of our life. We won't have that problem. To fully understand the fruit, this fruit, it's helpful though to know what the absence of self control looks like. And so I want to share that with you this morning for just a moment. Proverbs 25 and 28 provides a dramatic description, brother, of an individual out of control. Listen to what it says. Proverbs 25 and 28. It says, like a city whose walls are broken down is a man who lacks self-control. Now, there's a reason why it's written like that because when the book of Proverbs was written, one of the main source and strength for protection for the city in that day was the building and the maintaining of the walls because uh, that was their defense. And so uh, uh, when, when we think about it like that, A wiped-out wall was considered a breach of security. A city with walls in despair was a city with a shameful reputation. That's one of the reasons Nehemiah was so motivated to begin building a campaign in Nehemiah 1 and 3 and and, uh, uh, says those who lived in the capital were in great trouble and despair because the walls of Jerusalem were broken down. The gates were burned and they were carried out. They, they was laying in ruin, and a man and a woman who lacked self-restraint in your life, get it, a man or woman who lacks self-restraint in your life is like a city that has no effective defense. Meaning if you don't take control, and you don't have self-control in your life, you can jump up and down and holler all you want to. I'm saved, I'm saved, I'm saved. But what witness do you have to people around you that sees you acting, in a state of carnality, doing the things you used to and acting like you used to do, we need to be a people that that has a witness, and we can uh, gladly share it with people around us and give them a reason for hope. They're not able to resist those things that come to destroy their lives or the lives of people around them if you have no self-control. When the occupants of a city, for whatever reason, neglect their own safety by failing to build walls and maintaining a strong wall, they would have been looked at or looked upon as a weak and foolish people in that day. Likewise, when we forfeit the fruit of self-control in our lives, we are feeble and not very wise. And there's no reason for God's people to be that way except self-will, self-will. It feels good. I don't care what they think. Their their life is not my problem. They answer to God and I answer for God. That's not the way it is. We are the book that somebody reads. I don't want somebody to look at me and read when they look at me because I say I'm saved that God has no power, that he's got old and feeble. He's not able to... Caused me to have strength to quit doing what I used to do. See, because his blood hasn't changed. His blood is just as strong. His promise is just as real. When occupants of a city, for whatever reason, neglect their own safety by failing to build and maintain strong walls, What walls do we build to protect us? God's Word. Get into God's Word and read God's Word. Go to prayer regularly. Praying, If you leave praying out of your experience with God, you're very shallow. If you leave God's Word out, you're going to be very shallow. You're never going to mature. You're never going to have strength. So we need to pray and seek God. The Bible offers several vivid examples of people who lived out of control lives. One of the most dramatic stories found in the Bible is of Samson. Found in Judges 14-16, through he is a portrait of self-destruction. As one of Israel's judges, the Spirit of God empowered him. He was known for his strength and led God's people for 20 years. One of his primary tests was to protect his people from the influence of pagan Philistines, from the influence that they'd have on them. But because he didn't have self-control, he visited Palestine prostitutes and eventually told Delilah his secrets of his power. And he, lacking self-control, he soon lost his hair, his strength, and his life. If you're not careful, you and I can go to church every Sunday. And if we don't pray and seek God, if we don't read the Word, we don't look to the Lord, we could get up uh, one morning and shake ourselves just similar as Samson did and find out we don't have any power also. Because if you don't read your word, you don't participate in worship, uh, uh, come out and worship God and, and take and pray like you ought to, you will eventually listen to what the flesh wants to do. I've seen people on fire for God, and they begin to dabble here and dabble there. Before long, they was out one day, and then before long, they was out two weeks. And before long, they was out of a month. And it wasn't long before I didn't see them for months anymore. You tell me, does that person sound like somebody that stayed on target where God called them to? No, I don't think so. But we'll let God and them work that out. But don't get caught in a place to where that you can be like Samson was. Samson could have been great for his people, but he had a mindset to do what Samson wanted to do. And many Christians today, we fight for, uh, uh, to let our spirit or our body control. Paul said there was a warfare that went on in him. Everybody has it uh, one way or another. The flesh wants to do one thing, and the spirit tells us we need to do another thing. Who are you going to obey? Another person. King Saul was so determined to destroy David that his life spun completely out of control. He he ignored the important things in his life to chase David all over the country. David, however, on uh, on the other hand, he showed excellent demonstration of self-control when he had the opportunity to kill Saul, and he didn't. The tragic thing about it, a few years later, when David uh, became king, David went out on a porch or the balcony whatever you want to call it one day and saw Delilah sunbathing and he totally lost his mind committed adultery with her and had Uriah killed see you have to be on guard just because you was where you needed to be yesterday doesn't mean you'll get up today and be where you need today you need to seek the leadership of the Lord in your life daily because we are none of us in this church are a match for the enemy without first letting the Lord go before us and show us the way. I want to ask you something. You answer it to yourself because, unfortunately, some of us, we've allowed our walls to be broken down. We're walking in a place where we're not as close to the Lord some of us as we used to be. I don't have to point anybody out. You know who you are yourself. Instead of governing and controlling our appetites and our desires, we have begun to just kind of settle back and be satisfied where we are. And So I'm asking you this morning, are you struggling with self-control in your life? The book of Proverbs is a place to go look at. We talk about uncontrolled lust in Proverbs 6, uncontrolled spending in Proverbs 21. Uncontrolled drinking in Proverbs 23. Uncontrolled anger in Proverbs 29 and 11. It says, a fool gives full vent to his anger, but a wise man keeps himself under control. So where are you this morning? Are you under control? Or are you having problems? Need to go there, read about it, and talk to the Lord about it. He's no respecter person. What he's done for one, he'll do for another. Paul challenges four groups of people uh, to be there in their right minds by being controlled by the Spirit of God. When we are controlled by the Spirit of God, we don't obey what the flesh wants to do, but we bring our flesh into subjection to what the Word tells us we need to do, and by His Spirit, we lead our flesh to do what God wants us to do. Now, in Titus 1 and 8, uh, 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 Paul had talked to Titus. He says, in Titus, a true son in our common faith, grace and mercy from God. He's talking to him, and he, and he goes on and, and uh, for about six or seven verses down through there, and so I'm going to read it from here, uh, now we've got that settled. Uh, he's talking to Titus in 1 and 8. And he gives him some instructions. But when I look back in the King James in 1 and and 7, it calls uh, the word bishop. So he's giving instructions to Titus as a bishop to talk to uh, some people. And so here's what he says. He said he must be hospitable, one who loves what is good, who is self-controlled, upright and holy, and disciplined. I want to hang out there for just a second if you'll bear with me. I know I'm a minute old, but I need to do it. We need to realize that that there should be some respect shown in some areas. Uh, Brother White is a bishop in the church. You will never hear him saying, I'm a bishop unless he's teaching in class. Because the name, just for name's sake, don't mount a lot. But for you and me and other people around it means a lot how we address this man, how we respect this man, how we talk to this man, what we say about this man to his back. Because if you say the wrong things, you put yourself into a place where you could get the wrath of God on you because you're talking about somebody that's not a novice in the church, somebody that's put in some time, somebody that's been studying, that's been at it for a while. And not only that, but because, but, but, but by God's word, uh, other men of higher places in the church have looked at his life and esteemed him to be uh, at a place where he's not a novice, that, that he is a, a person that, that, that could be a teacher of the Word and, and is a teacher of the Word, and so therefore they give him a title that says he is a bishop in the church. That, by the way, is high as you can go in the church of God. And he's been a bishop for some years. And so we need to be careful what we say how we say it, and the respect we show this man and men like him uh, uh, because if you don't respect him for who he is, then the Bible teaches we need to respect him for the office that he holds. And in this church, he's not just a bishop. He's a professor of the word for the young ministries coming up. He's my friend. He's my brother. And so even if I talk about Brother Terry I could get in trouble with the Lord if I don't remember that he holds an office. He's God's chosen son also because he gives his life to the Lord. I just wanted to throw that in. It didn't cost you anything extra. He goes on and he reads, and I'm about through here, so hang with me just a moment. Beans are not going to burn, I promise you. He must be hostile hospitable, or whatever you want to put that, hospitable, one who loves what is good, who is self-controlled. The difference between maturity or a person that's a bishop or even someone has been serving to God for a long time, we ought to be self-controlled. But he says a bishop must certainly be self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. Hear all those things? Upright, holy, and disciplined. Elders are to be men who are known for their hospitality, their good works, their wholeness, and discipline, and self-control. In 2 and 2, it says, Older women are to be reverent with truth-tellers and not addicted to alcohol. As they teach what is good. In verse 4, challenge them to train the younger women to love their husband and children and to be self controlled. Now, when I, while I'm hanging out here, I want you to realize it didn't say for younger women to counsel or, or to train younger women, it said for older women to counsel or train young women. That would be Sister White, Sister Wanda, Sister Naomi. Sister Galvary, people that have been years, and I may have missed somebody, yes, my sister Barbara and, and, and others over there. I, I'm not going to call all your names, but, but uh, uh, he has that in there for a purpose because they've got some miles under their shoes walking down the path of holiness. They've been around some pitholes. They may have stomped their toe in a few potholes the devil dug along the way. But he says, they're the ones that are to teach or to counsel younger women. To what? To love their husband, their children, and to be self-controlled. In Titus 2 and 6, Titus is to be an example to young men and encourage them to be self-controlled. So certainly when I look at this word self-control, it's an important thing in the life and in the, the the remembrance of Christian people because without self-control in your life, you don't paint a very good picture of Jesus being able to deliver you from everything in your life. I hope you got something out of this teaching today. God's Word is like Mama used to tell me about spinach. Eat it, son. It's good for you. I said, but Mom, I don't like the way it tastes. She said, that not make no difference. It's good for you. And that's the way it is with the Word. Sometimes you don't like what the pastor has to say, but he's going to say it, and it's good for you. If you'll eat it, it'll make you strong. (laughs) Amen. Stand with me all over this place. love you. I appreciate you.